Welcome to the Flash Flashcast, which is uh, not so flashy or flashcasty because we're it's co- still casting. We're still, still casting. casting. This, this is, is cast. This is, yes, I'm Lisa Schmeiser, and with me is Tony Sindelar. Hello, nerds. And David Lore. Hello. I'm actually flashing right now. And I mm. wanted to let everybody know that. Um, that once again, Moe's wishes he could be here, but he was um, picked up by a time-traveling spaceship, and we assume that he's writing something in the timeline, and we'll all wake up in a much better world tomorrow. We wish him well in his perambulations. We can't wait to podcast with him again. Anyway, this format may be slightly different, both because we've got David, who is uh, valiantly pinch-hitting with us, and also because we have three episodes to discuss. So, um, And finally, because I have some horrible respiratory things, so my... my <laughs> Talking is intermittent, but I, you sound better than Zoom. Well, so that's that's kind of an insult to Tony Todd. I think he's great. <laughs> so, uh, do we want to do a, a quick? There's, I noticed we're covering three three episodes. We're covering three. There's three of us. Oh, we could each do a quick oh. recap of uh, one episode. I'm willing to go first because I came up with this awful idea. <laughs> All right, you take the Killer Frost recap. How about that? All right, so uh, we're talking about episodes seven, eight, and nine, and we're because eight is part of the the massive CW crossover. Yes, we're yes probably it touch was. on some things that happen outside of just that episode because mm-hmm. I don't totally in my head remember what happened in uh, one episode versus the other. Mm-hmm. But here we go. All right, uh, Lisa, do you have some kind of timing device? I do. Ready? Three. All right. Yeah, I'm gonna. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, so are you it. are you recapping all three or just one? I'm just going to do seven, and then somebody's right. going to somebody else is going to do right. eight. It's I've not got, me. I've actually got to stopwatch this time. Ready? <laughs> wow. Yep. Set. Go. All right. So, episode uh, season three, episode seven, Savitar and Fash face off, picking up where the last episode ended. Uh, Caitlin and Cisco lace up their capes uh, and go to try and help out Flash. Uh, unfortunately, this seems to be the final thing that's going to set Caitlin off and force her to go super evil for reasons. Uh, Cisco finds out uh, the secret about his brother's death and Flashpoint, and he's super upset about that. And uh, while he's in a cocoon for most of that episode, uh, so, so you know, he, he until he's cut out and needs to be saved. The end. That was thirty-four seconds. Very good. The moral what, of the story is yeah. we clearly have to podcast less because we get the recapping down to a science. If you want, I can take episode eight, which is the um, part of the four-part crossover that the CW did across all four of the Berlantiverse shows. And um, none of you can see me, but I am going to hit the stopwatch now. This segment of the crossover is significant because it's the first time all of the teams are brought together. The following important things happen. Kara meets everybody and kicks their butts and Black Canary, excuse me, White Canary falls passionately deeply in love. Um, everybody realizes what the legends are dealing with when they come face to face with Rory and his dismissive quips. It's delightful because he cuts through the treacle and I never thought Dominic West could be such an asset to anything ever. No, Dominic Purcell. Um, but the same holds for Dominic West because I, I also watch The Affair for a Living and it's terrible. Anyway, um, there's practices, there's practice bouts. Um, Barry also has to feel very sad because he has to admit what happens with Flashpoint. Diggle does not take it well when he finds out he was actually the father to a daughter and not a son, um, which is complicated and interesting. So naturally it gets dropped and there are some preliminary battles. And the upshot is at the very end of the battle, five people from the Legends team and from Arrow are abducted. Barry is left to go blah! And Cisco is still kind of ticked about everything because he needs Felicity and Time Travelers to put him right in the next two episodes. All right. I did a minute and two seconds. (laughs) 
All right. Well, there's a lot in there. Yeah, well, that is a I lot. Mean, I mean, you know what? Just <laughs> listing all the characters that appear in the uh, the CW crossover that would be fine. Uh, that'll take you about two and a half minutes. So oh just God. just the guest credits with the actual stars of all the shows that's yes. still yeah. running now a week later. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, it was it was really funny because at one point they're making introductions, and I wish I had timed the sequence where Porcara is going around and just trying to figure out who's who. Um, anyway, <laughs> David, do you want to try epi- the uh, the episode that aired this week, or shall uh, sure? All right. I, I, you know, I'm game. Right. I'm game. See, you're you're a guest in our house, and we just we put you to work. That's yeah. how we do that's, things. That's <laughs> right. Hey, I grew up with that. This okay. way, you get invited back. All right, ready, set. I think so. All right, ready, set, go. Okay, Barry is still kind of sad, but he's still kind of happy because, you know, Iris is there. And uh, it's Christmas time. Uh, Harrison has decorated the whole place for Christmas time. And because some traditions cross multiple dimensions. And uh, let's see. We start off by seeing a flashback to Julian being discovering Savitar and discovering a box with the Philosopher's Stone in it. And uh, as it turns out, he has no memory of any of the times he's been possessed. He has none of the the flashbacks. He's just, you know, well, of course, nothing's happened and I've just blacked out and, and sure, I'm fine. And uh, let's see what else. This is why I should take notes. And um, there's all kinds of excitement. They go get Jay Garrick. We see Mark Hamill for just a few minutes. And of course, uh, Earth 3's trickster is essentially the Joker, which I guess makes sense. Um, Jay and uh, Barry wind up fighting Savitar. Uh, not all that well. Uh, Savitar tries to use the Philosopher's Stone to give the meta powers to everyone that had had them previously. Uh, they foil that. And by closing up the box with the stone in it, shoop, uh, Savitar vanishes. So they realize they need to do something to get rid of the box. At one point, Cisco is has opened the box because he is haunted by... I don't mean to interrupt you, brother. but it's been a minute and 30 seconds already. And <sighs> when we when we do the flash recap, it, we, we do hit the high point. So... If you don't mind, what I would what I would have done if I were doing it, um, what I would have done is I would have pointed out HR continues to be slightly hinky with his incredibly cagey interest in Kid Flash. Kid Flash is just super happy that he gets a uniform for Christmas. Meanwhile, Julian finds out that he's actually been alchemy all along, um, which is I suppose the price you pay for trying to play Indiana Jones in this day and age and taking artifacts <laughs> when everybody else on your job site has been killed. Barry finds it out it belongs in a museum. Yeah, exactly. It belongs. <laughs> Actually, it should probably not be in a museum. It's very dangerous. Yeah. Um, very, so it belongs um, in a warehouse. Yeah. <laughs> and then we would go on to talk about how, you know, Barry has to hit Earth 3. He's got Jay Garrick as a father because Barry collects father figures like some people collect Pokemon. And um, <laughs> then J- Barry gets a prophecy and begins to worry about changing the future as well as changing the past. Because who is Barry Allen if not life's cosmic joker? Boom. That would be 40. That's 46 seconds right there. And then we would go <laughs> D- Dang, dang. Dang, Lisa. See, see, I need I need more practice. Yeah, here. yeah. exactly. I need this to go is out true. Training. You got to you got to get a war, warm up sprint. You know, it's you know. like well, you got to look at it this at, way. At, if if we go back to the the guest in the house metaphor, you're basically the guest where we toss you a dish towel and say, "Here, put away the silverware," and you and you and you are like, "Where is the drawer that the silverware goes in?" So, <laughs> well, it's I, all I right, was just going to say at at this level in my training, uh-huh. I'm not I'm not quite where you are. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> you didn't stretch. We understand. Yeah. Yeah, didn't stretch, didn't start, think, 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 you know, what are the through lines? Um, so that was that. But um, 
there are just a couple things I remember from the Killer Frost episode where I was rolling my eyes all, oh my god, come on, which is kind of a worrisome reaction because there are, <coughs> excuse me, there's a few shows where you watch them even as you roll your eyes, but there are shows where once you start rolling your eyes, you're like, oh, I don't know, I don't know if I really want to spend the time on this anymore. And I got to be honest, the flash is kind of wobbling for me this season. And Killer Frost was one of the one of the episodes that did it. And for me, the two things that did it in Killer Frost were, one, we still have no good explanation for why Caitlin goes full on gonzo evil when she uses her powers. Like, there is no, no explanation that makes sense. It's just, it just is. Um, and I really doubt the writer's room is trying for a sophisticated metaphor on society's conflicted attitudes towards women with, with the power and authority. And the second thing that doesn't make sense to me is, um, I was like, Julian is alchemy. Really? Really? That it was just so obvious. It just felt like such low hanging fruit. And I was a little disappointed at the unoriginality of that. It would have been nice if Julian had his own thing going on independent of being the spokesperson for, um, for, for the, for the, for the crossing between a transformer and Usain Bolt. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I, I thought the Julian reveal was, uh, pretty disappointing and pretty predictable. Um, I mean, it, it was a little interesting in that two episodes later, we find out the thing where he doesn't know that he's alchemy. I guess that's mm-hmm. a little interesting, yeah. but it, it just seemed clear. Like, he's a jerk to Barry Allen at work. Is he going to be spending his nights being a supervillain and tormenting the Flash? Probably. Yeah. Um, you know? well, and, and they make they make the joke in, in this week with, mm-hmm. uh, you know, isn't it always the way there's someone who befriends us and turns out to betray us and he's the big bad? Yeah. Like, Okay, okay, it's it's cute that you're being meta about it, but this is only the third season, and you've already done that twice. No, so, stop so it. can we derail? Um, oh. No, can we? And here's why I want to derail: is um, HR's interest in Wally is beginning to worry me, um, mm-hmm. especially the secret, especially the fact that um, he is preying on Wally, he, he's preying on Wally's eagerness to excel and the fact he's like you're faster than the flash and he's like you're faster than the flash and I'll train you even if no one else does and he does this bonding with him that is pretty manipulative if you ask me because it's like I'll train you in secret if nobody else wants to and I see all the potential in you and I'm not one of these people who gets in your way and so I find that dynamic a little bit worrisome because like that's how predators groom children um <laughs> mm-hmm. So, so there's that angle to it, which is creepy. And then um, there was the comment he's made where he's like, my talent is finding other people's talents and pulling out their potential. And I was like, whoa. So like alchemy pulls out people's metahuman abilities and they have that right. potential that way. And then a couple episodes back, we had the face swapping technology where everyone's like, whoa, that's a thing. And he's like, yeah, it's a thing. I can go out in public and I totally don't look like the guy who, you know, had a terrible accident and was a murderer. And everyone's like, oh, so you've switched faces and this is your fake face. Maybe it's not. Because you've got a guy who came onto the team with false premises. He was like, I'm not really a scientist. I'm just, you know, the fast-talking business partner of a scientist. And by the way, I have face-swapping technology. I don't tell you about it until it's convenient. And I've cultivated a secret relationship with a metahuman that is to my advantage. And long story short, I do not trust HR. And um, that whole winking, oh, you know, someone befriends us and gets close to us and betrays us. And I thought, okay, it's cute that you've acknowledged that, but I'm getting so tired of every season being the, and how does Tom Cavanaugh betray us this season beat? Right. You know, yeah, like, because in, <laughs> in season one, it was like, oh, he's actually Yobart Thon walking around in someone else's skin. That's creepy. And then in season two, it's like, oh, he's secretly working for Zoom because Zoom has his kid and we have to work out our trust issues. And this time it's like, here's some dude with 
drumsticks. And I'm convinced those drumsticks mean something now because we never mm-hmm. see them him without them. And um, we've got a dude with drumsticks and face swapping technology who's super cagey about his partnership with somebody else. But we know that he doesn't have the same skill set as the other Wellses who've come along, like not even the mining one. Um and he's going out of his way to cultivate a relationship with Wally that is secret and separate and independent from the team. And that creates a bond of obligation that Wally is going to have to pay on later. And right. what is his game? Who is he and what does he want? <laughs> so, I mean, my, the, well, the <laughs> only thing I like about any of that is just that I do enjoy Tom Cavanaugh. So mm-hmm. I enjoy getting him, getting to see him do various things. I, I like seeing him bouncy and funny and twitchy. Yeah. That said... It's horrible. It's just, oh. My my hope is is that he is just that he is not a he is not a villain. I mean, I feel like right. they already had that fake out in the early mm-hmm. introduction of him, and like I think it's kind of more like clearly they want they want that actor around. They like they like having the the HR role or, or at least the, the different flavors of it on the team. Um, I feel like it's it's like it's and it's an interesting dynamic to throw in where it's like we have this like you know he's not a sci- not a super scientist we're actually we're pretty well stocked on super scientists um, mm-hmm. he's nominally this business guy who in the context of super science and fighting crime and helping the flash is mm-hmm. useless yeah and so he's like trying to invent jobs for himself whether that's decorating the lab or being Wally's secret coach like he is just trying to find ways that he can be valuable so that he doesn't have to go home um, that's a so much more I, charitable read than mine which is like I, he I, I think it's an exceptionally charitable <laughs> read um, yeah. and, I'm, I, and I may be proven wrong but mm-hmm. I, I, I just I would be disappointed if he was, if he was yeah. again again well, I mean, and, just you know maybe He'll have a tragic past or something. Yeah. Well, it's, it'd be kind of funny seasons. though if, like, every season he's a villain in some different way, and he shows up, and and like by season five, like Tom Cavanaugh pops in the door, and like Cisco immediately like whips out a pistol and shoots him. You know, no, we're not yeah. doing that. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, part mm-hmm. part of me hopes it's a fake out, just because the last two seasons, uh, the last two seasons of the show have trained me to think, oh, this thing that I expected to happen that I expect to then be a, another twist, they never go for the next twist. So they just go for the obvious thing mm-hmm. to turn it on you. So so I don't really have much hope, but, you know, we'll see. Yeah, it's... <sighs> I, 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 I was like, do you think the, do you think the writer's room knows that the, the audience is like, I've been burned twice before now, man. I've been burned twice. <laughs> it's hard. I mean, yeah. the, we like that first season so much. And yeah. the problem is that they keep mm-hmm. like, they keep trying to sell us that again yeah. <laughs> with different right. flavors. Except with, that's with more and more and more. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. I don't need so many metahumans. I don't, that's the thing that's bothering me in general in, in mm-hmm. the Berlanti verse is that. I I just want a couple of human beings that work with them, and I don't need the the giant overarching plots, mm. right? I don't need Jimmy Olsen to be a, a superhero. Let him be Jimmy Olsen. Yeah, it's oh the, well, that's that's like a Supergirl complaint, and that's a separate thing. But yes, um, yes. but I, I think for me, what it comes down to is we have all these clues as to who Barry is supposed to be in the future. He's supposed to um, invent Gideon. He's supposed to do these superheroic feats that spawn people who are so angry at, at, at being defeated that they go back in time to kill his parents, or <laughs> they go back and possess Draco Malfoy and the Sorcerer's Stone and all of this stuff. And we're three seasons in, and we see a guy who like had to slouch off the job because he's an admittedly crappy colleague. And, excuse me. 
So where is the Barry who is capable of doing this stuff? Like, where is this? Le- where is the science coming from? Where is the leadership coming from? Like, I don't ever doubt that the character Barry Allen is incredibly decent because this is the same guy who, when an alien species that's mostly made of abs and teeth showed up and said, "Hand over Barry Allen, and none of the planet gets hurt." Barry's like, "Okay, I will go," and like was and was like okay fine if this is what it takes to leave the world alone i'll go ahead and do it like no one doubts his character like i doubt his brains i i feel i feel like we need to see a little bit more progress in the man who founds the justice league like we've already seen the the fresco in the lobby of the workplace that that you know hails back to the iconography and in the crossover we already saw the building that's like a total shout out to the 1970s justice league cartoon Mm -hmm. so well, Show that, us the that, person who's going to who's going to will that into existence. Yeah, and and he has been exceptionally dumb this season. Yeah. I mean, he was he was getting pretty dumb by the end of last season, but this season has just been. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I I like the Flashpoint story in the comics as an idea, but it's I don't think they're doing it really well this year. I do kind of like the idea that they hit the reset button. He came back and things are still just off enough where everyone's really ticked at him over it. Like you don't ever really see that in comics. And I like that. But um, I, and, and pissy Cisco is just not my favorite. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, so I'm curious, uh, we we should probably dive in a little bit on, on killer frost since that was the Mm -hmm. kind of thing that was let, there was a lead up to that across many episodes. (laughs) Uh, And the, I mean, the big thing that they did not answer in this episode, which seemed like kind of a major kind of uh, falling down point, is why why is Caitlin going evil? Yeah. Right. I mean, we have I mean we have various metahumans, and, and clearly some of them decide are are you know are criminals before they uh, they get their powers, or are you know opportunists and turn to a life of crime or, or mayhem or mischief. But we also like becoming a metahuman does not make you chaotic evil, and they so they they they. I felt like they just didn't worry about that at all. And that to me was like a, just a, a huge glaring hole is yeah. why is Caitlin going evil just because she's becoming powerful. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that was like the entire episode. I'm like, I don't understand this. Why is yeah. she kidnapping people and, and going berserk? Uh, and they just, I don't, I, I feel like they just, they were not interested in addressing that. We were just supposed to take it uh, at face value. It yeah. really does. It, yeah, it makes no sense. It makes no sense consistent with who Caitlin is as a person in this universe mm-hmm. at all, which is somebody who is who has such a big heart and such a such an urge to help others. And um, it doesn't explain why. Oh, when she uses when she uses her powers, it goes away. Like if they were positing that she's got a split personality and one personality comes out when she uses her powers and one personality stays is dominant when she doesn't use her powers like that would be an interesting story because then then if Caitlin has to negotiate with her personality for for custody of the power that would be interesting and fun to watch but um instead we we just have this all of a sudden i've i've grown icicles mother and <laughs> it's just this weird you know completely inconsistent thing i didn't like it I mean, it, I, I will say it was it was a lovely note at the end of the, the most recent one mm-hmm. when, you know, it's the end, it's Christmas time, it's raining. And she goes, well, we can't have a perfect Christmas, but we can at least have a white one. Yeah. And she puts her hand out and starts the snow. And, yeah, this okay. is after HR staggers oh. across the hall drunkenly going, oh, raining Christmas, <laughs> how terrible. And I will say this, Tom Cavanaugh plays an excellent drunken dork, It which is great. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, she, she does try to strategically deploy her powers, but I, I still don't get why she automatically defaults to evil. And I also don't get why um, 
like we don't know that Savitar hasn't made Cisco a little crazy. So for all we know, when when he vibe when Cisco vibed her, it could have been like him being like a complete evil jerk and her trying to fight him. And instead, everyone just seems to assume that she's going to default to 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 going around the bend. Yeah, I don't care for it's, it. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, it just seems like there should have been some little plot point that they used to make like. You know, because of something with Flashpoint or something mm-hmm. that Doctor Alchemy is doing, uh, you know, there was there was kind of a line about that. I mean, when they go to fight him, in uh, they go to fight fight Alchemy and Savitar in in Episode Nine, and he's at some building where he's going to mm-hmm. magnify his 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 Philosopher's Stone to turn everybody into metahumans, mm-hmm. uh, which I assume is bad because they not just that they will be metahumans, but they will be uh, like rogue or violent or malevolent metahumans. So I mean, yeah. is but but they don't say that, right? Like it, it's it's really mm-hmm. left kind of confusing and and uh, and unanswered. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, and so. I I, I kind of guess the the whole thing. You know, one of you is not who you seem, and mm-hmm. uh, and and so they he calls out fake Wells. But you know, okay, now we've got Killer Frost hiding. We've got Cisco's yeah. a little bent. You know, it's like they're they're kind of I guess trying to plant seeds of something to suspect but yeah. i don't again i don't think they're doing it well yeah yeah i mean m- maybe you know the thing we'll see in the back uh two-thirds of the season uh i mean there's a lot of people on the t- there's certainly kind of the theme uh so far is uh these reasons to not trust each other on yeah the team, yeah right? right and so that maybe i mean i'm sure by the end they'll all be back together and there'll be a big group hug and they'll fight whoever the bad guy is but it seems like you could do a bunch of episodes with the team kind of fracturing and spitting apart. Yeah. And though, though it seems like maybe Cisco and Barry are back together, but uh, you know, but that's definitely kind of the theme with, you know, Wally wants to do stuff that Joe's not okay with and HR is mm-hmm. doing stuff that nobody's okay with. And yeah. uh, Cisco's mad at Barry and, uh, and mm-hmm. uh, Caitlin has secret powers. Uh, so there's definitely, there's, there's a lot of, uh, I guess, yeah. kind of pressure points there that could send that team spinning in a lot of different directions. Yeah. And, and Chris, as we're watching the, the kids both this week, um, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're faster than Barry was at this point and you have Savitar and everything. And, and both of them individually go, is Barry Allen ever the fastest human alive <laughs> ever? Only in the prologue every week. Only in the prologue. Yeah. <laughs> fastest man alive that I know of because I don't look around very much. Um, <laughs> I haven't compared numbers. So I just assume I'm the fastest. <laughs> I just, I also love that they, they never specify how fast he is because mm-hmm. that would be inconvenient. So it's never quantified. Yes. Um, like because the minute it was physics professors would start assigning problems or you'd have somebody yeah. post like a tweet storm of 36 tweets uh, declaring that that Barry literally can't go as fast as he can because then human cells would turn to soup and you know anytime anybody tries to apply science and sci- science to superheroes it just ends in, in a, yeah. a circle of pedantic finger pointing and it's terrible so <laughs> No. I just appreciate the like. I mean, I think especially season one and season two. There's like, there's like 15 scenes where somebody says he's running faster than he's ever run before, yeah. which is a made up number that we don't care about. But that's yeah. okay. Um, let's not worry about it. It's faster now. Yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, I mean, there's interesting stuff that could happen with Wally because again, uh, Savitar gave gave him the power, so Savitar could maybe take it away. Um, yeah. So there's there's that business, and if that happens, Wally will fall apart. Um, and uh, there's. There's the possibility, like, I'm still waiting for the Speed Force to pop up again, because, <coughs> well, they were fine with policing things last year. Um, 
you know, they pop up and they have a chit chat with Barry and it's like, which, which like has all of the feel of Dumbledore on the train station. Oh, you know, you could go one way or the other. And then they had the speed force pop up again earlier this year with, um, you know, oh, Barry, you can keep going back in time, but you drop the plate, the plate, the cry, there's gonna be cracks and chips. And I guess my thing is there are all all these rogue speedsters. And if Savitar is the first, like, why hasn't the speed force done anything about him? Like so, I'm prepared to disagree on this, but I okay. but I feel like I'm doing a lot of defending, not so great writing today. No, um, no, it's but, no. And but I, here don't, I, am. I don't want to put you in that position, but I, I just keep wondering why the speed force. Is, uh, oh well, sucks to the first person we gave it to is kind of a lunatic. Um, you know. Well, so in, here's in, here's my headcanon, and okay. this is a little bit kind of informed by like the comics, and but but mm-hmm. but just trying to read with how uh, Barry is represented in this world. Mm-hmm. I think the idea is. Uh, that Barry is the most powerful speedster or is destined to be it. And so his he is he has the strongest connection to the speed force that anybody else has. And in fact, many other speedsters don't actually have a connection to the speed force, right? Like they either have right. synthetic speed or they're like stealing speed from Barry. Um, so he has the like one true, like mystical, magical connection to the speed force. Uh, and he has not, and he has not reached his potential yet. So these other speedsters can just kind of do whatever they want because they, sure, they, 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 they present as the most dangerous, uh, most evil speedster at the moment, but they are not where Barry Allen, uh, is going to reach eventually. And the speed force in its all knowing magicness knows that. Um, so that's my, okay. my extremely generous headcanon. <laughs> My my head canon is that they the speed force hasn't dealt with the the very first person who got the speed for all these centuries because the writers behind the speed force only thought of him this year. That's my head. That's my head canon. Also, you know, there's. A, I mean, I guess I, I am not happy that the villain is a speedster again because we have we've been down this road a lot. Um, <laughs> I think they're trying to make it as interesting and novel as they can with this, you know, Savitar. And it's like, is he even really a person? And he's this like entity and he's been like sealed in a box and he's like traveling through time. Uh, Mm -hmm. He's not, I mean, Zoom, the difference between Zoom and Reverse Flash was Mm -hmm. not very exciting, right? I mean, they were both a a guy in a suit who really had it out for Barry Allen. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, take away Zoom, I would find this much more interesting. Yes. It's, yeah, I mean, I I, I wish they had done more with that. So it it is, I mean, I feel like there are questions here that I am curious about, Mm -hmm. but it's also, I I think I was disappointed a little bit as soon as it became clear, because the big, the question before, for me before, it's like, oh, you have Savitar and Dr. Alchemy. Are they like a a duo or like, it's like, no, Dr. Alchemy is just a guy that works for him. Savitar is the real bad guy and he's a speedster and that's scary. Um, that that was a little disappointing. Doctor Alchemy just runs his social media accounts. Yeah, <laughs> he, he manages the cultists. He hands out yeah. uh, the robes. He's we like did in episode he's seven. Like the Kellyanne Conway of the yeah. Of the in episode <laughs> seven, we got to see they went to the 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 uh, the house of Greg the cultist, and I thought Greg the cultist had a nice house for a cultist. Yeah, um, so <laughs> he's like out in the suburbs. Yeah, um, well, that's it's actually on his business card, Greg the cultist. I, I yeah. think the suburbs, the suburbs makes perfect sense for a cult though, because there's there's a built-in guarantee of privacy. Like you can't launch a cult from your apartment, but because neighbors will complain. Or yeah, like the landlord will come noise, by and noise, be like, noise complaints. <laughs> yeah, the landlord's like, I noticed blood in the drains again. You 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 have to stop yeah. this. You cannot keep sacrificing goats in my yard. And, yeah. <laughs> but you, you keep doing the rhythmic stomping every Tuesday at nine. I don't get it, yeah. but the people on either side of you are tired of it. But like, if you're canny, you can get around your HOA. 
And then yeah. you've got your backyard and nobody's paying attention anyway because they're all too busy with their own if, yards. If you don't think the HOAs run in the cult, Lisa, you've never been in a cult. Um, <laughs> you might even find you might even find a development whose covenants are are generous enough to have <laughs> pentagrams and actual covenants. Yeah. So, oh. So. oh my god. Yeah, you know, whoever's I, listening I, to I this is like, how did they get how did they get into HOA cults? But um <laughs> <laughs> it makes sense. It makes total sense it's, now. Um, it's us, of course. Yeah. So, so I want to talk a, lot, a little. Uh-huh. No, you go. I was going to say I want to talk about the crossover now, um, because I think the three of us might be the only ones who watched all four episodes. <laughs> <laughs> well, Legends of Tomorrow is kind of a thing for is 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 I don't I can't explain why I kept watching it, but weirdly, like the like the crossover more or less proved that the cast has really begun to gel on that. Like getting rid of Rory was one of, not Rory getting rid of um Rip Rip Hunter Rip. was like the best thing they did. <laughs> yeah, he was yep. he was an anchor around yeah. their necks. Yeah, uh-huh. like so, getting I mean, nothing against Arvel Arvel. Arthur. Yeah. Uh, I like I like him. I just Rip Hunter was the dumbest uh, character. Yeah. You know, it, it was just because there was nothing to do with him because he basically would be like, okay, we're going to go to this place and I'm going to tell you what to do. And then that nothing would work and he would get frustrated. Yeah. And in some ways it's like they don't need adult supervision. Like half the charm of this show is that they go somewhere and they start a bar fight every time. <laughs> they do. <laughs> and that's, how they, that's how they unwind. So that the thing that I really enjoy about Legends of Tomorrow is the cast has clearly all decided how they're going to play their characters and how their characters are going to react to each other. And one of the moment that hooked me this season was when they met up with the JSA back during World War II and Sarah goes to talk to somebody in the JSA. And he's like, excuse me, ma'am, I was hoping to talk to your leader. And the camera pans back and you see Rory just roar. You see Rory roll his eyes, and you see and, and you see Ray just kind of brace for whatever's coming next. And <laughs> everybody's like, "Oh God, here it comes!" It was just such a great yeah. moment because they were like, you know, every time somebody pulls out some time and period specific sexism, you know that Sarah is just putting the hurt on them, and they're like, "Oh God, here we go." It was really, <laughs> it was great. I lo- and I love that they basically turned Sarah Lance into Jim Kirk, where she just swashbuckles her. Yeah. Through the galaxy and leads things and seduces women in every port. It's amazing. So yeah, um, it is. It is much more fun than last year. Yeah, I mean, and and that was last actually year was like, interesting to watch. Ugh. But I agree. But yeah, this year, this year I actually look forward to it. But the thing is, is the the charms of Legends of Tomorrow, which is that they're basically a ragtag group of dysfunctional people who are like, look, we're not ever going to change for the better. So let's just try to fix history because we're not going to fix ourselves. Like, <laughs> like. That came out in full force of the Flash, and you had that, and you had Cara Danvers, sunny, cheerful, you know, like, she's basically a basket of puppies and rainbows and ice cream. And then you had Team Arrow, which is, like, impossibly cool, and having them all in the same place during the Flash crossover was just delightful. It was so much fun to watch that, and it was fun to watch the, the training exercise where Cara's just cheerfully taking people out, and um, the Legends are kind of loving it, and Ollie is like, I don't even know. I I don't even know how we're going to do this, but we got to do it. And uh, Sarah is like, so are you seeing anyone on Earth 3? <laughs> I mean, I, I think that might have been the most fun of the four episodes. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, Supergirl, I mean, they, so they did all the talk about, okay, mm-hmm. we're going to have this four episode crossover, all the shows, all the shows. Yeah. And the Supergirl episode was kind of like, what, about a minute? Yeah, it was at the end. end. They had the Flash. And, I mean, and, yes, and that, yes, they, and that minute was recapped in the Flash mm-hmm. episode. Exactly. Yeah. And, and they, yeah, okay, they've set it up thanks to the whole CBS thing mm-hmm. that it's a separate 
Earth. And, you know, okay, fine, I get it. But that's but kind, the, that's but kind of cheating. Thing. It's really a three-episode crossover. But at this point, like, a separate Earth is nothing because Barry hops over to right. different Earths constantly. Right. Like, for all we know, he's going to go birthday shopping for Iris on another one. So, <laughs> Well, she'll <laughs> never guess what it is. Mm-hmm. I thought the crossover, uh, you know, it was fun. I kind of, I gener- I enjoyed it. Uh, it was a little chaotic. I mean, it, it reminded mm-hmm. me of like what I don't like about Avengers two, mm-hmm. which is like, there's a million characters and they're just kind of bouncing off each other. And that can be kind of fun, mm-hmm. but right. don't, don't look for them to be able to like actually do much. Yeah. Right. I mean, that was, especially with the first two, um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it, I thought it was a little interesting that they had this three-parter and they t- I, I think they kind of tried to style each of the parts of the three-parter off the show that was kind of hosting it. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Le- Legends kind of lost. They, they lost out. Their, their episode <laughs> didn't really yeah. uh, get to do that much. But, like, well, the Arrow one felt like an Arrow episode and the Flash one felt like a Flash episode. Well, but it was like, And yeah. by, not, by not working, the Legends one felt like a Legends one. Well, no, the yeah. Legends tomorrow episode. I think the no. thing is, is since that, that show is, is about um, – to get back into Legends, this is not Legends of Tomorrow cast, but it may as well be at this point. Like, again, the thing about that show is every single one of those people on there has, like, some deep streak of self-loathing that's either earned or unearned for whatever reason. Like, Ray has that – Ray is constantly being reminded of his own inadequacy. Like, that has basically become the through line on the show is, without that suit, what are you? Um, you know, and he's like, well, a less rakish version of Iron Man? Um and Sarah has this deep streak of self-loathing because, you know, she was, of course, an assassin and her sister is dead and there's all that stuff going on. And um, Mick is just a nightmare. And um, Professor Stein and Jax have their own have their own, you know, I'm I'm not good enough for, for this or I was a terrible person to the people I love. They've got that going on. And um, so to me, like the fact that when Barry said, I'm going to make that sacrifice and they all have the opportunity to step through and go, no, you're not because it's a dumb sacrifice and we will fling our stupid bodies into the fray to keep you from making it. Like, I feel like that kind of was true to the spirit of the show in the sense that these guys are all convinced they're terrible human beings, but they, they have their moments where they're not. And this whole episode was about leading up to that where everyone's like, everyone had an opportunity to be their best selves and, and be like the self that Barry Allen is just kind of without working on it, you know? Well, and exactly. They, they recognize someone who is good and pure or, you know, maybe not smart, but good and pure. Yeah. Um, and they don't want him to sacrifice himself. And I, that was a yeah. nice touch. Yeah. And that's the thing is, is, you know, and, and Mick is like, oh, this, I, I, I love Mick Rory like so much. Just, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Dom, again, Dominic Purcell is really just sunk into, sunk his teeth into it and, and just enjoys being a jerk store about it. Um, I'm still pretty lukewarm on the, the justice, the JSA editions as it were, but eh, you know, right. whatever. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, Mick, Mick was the most watchable part. Mick and Captain Cole were the most watchable parts of yeah. season one. So. Yeah. Exactly. Well, it's, what it's fun to watch him evolving. But um, I keep wondering. Mm-hmm. I, I'm like keep holding my breath for when does Captain Cold come back in some way? Because I mean, we've yeah. we've had all these time travel shenanigans, and he even died in a weird place where he was like kind of outside the timeline. Is that at the time? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're not. I want to call them time lords. They're not time lords. Time um, machines. Time, time masters. Cops. Time, time masters. masters. Yeah. Totally different time cops. Um, yeah. And I, because I think we know that the, the actor has been, has, has a contract. So he's yeah. going to appear yeah. at some point. And they even, you know, they did the thing in Legends where, uh, uh, the Adam loses his suit for a mm-hmm. couple episodes and then he gets another suit back. So don't worry about it. Yeah. Uh, it just seems like we're in doing fact, for- he's, he's contracted to appear on all of the 
yeah. at least all of the uh, Flash Arrow. I did like that shows. moment where Ray has, where, where Ray is the one who's sensitive enough to take Barry to the side, and Barry's like, yeah. "We're snart," and Ray is like, "Oh man," and they have the conversation, oh. and. Um, that team needs Ray because Ray is the one person who tries very hard to be decent and and be like good PR for them, whereas everybody else clearly yeah. could not care less. You, know? <laughs> you need, I mean, you need the Boy Scout paladin, uh, and yeah. I guess I believe they established that he is literally a Boy Scout uh, yeah. that, that mm-hmm. fits with his character. Yeah. Uh, you need the Boy Scout paladin to uh, yeah. to to uh, balance out heat wave. Otherwise, um, Otherwise things, would, things would get, things would happen. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. And I like I like the relationship that's grown between them. I like the crossover precisely because it was a way where you got a quick thumbnail introduction to everybody. And uh, I liked how there was the interplay and I liked the brawl at the end. Yes. Because it is well, kind of, I've well, liked all their fight yeah, choreography. Well, well, I liked that how at the beginning they learned how to fight with each other and to scope out each other's weak spots. And at the end, it's Barry and Ollie who are like, oh crap, it is us against the people we're counting on fighting with. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and watching watching Ollie, like the fight sequence where all and this is again in the, the Flash episode, the fight sequence where Ollie has to carry the wounded um Wally and he goes to put and, and and he has to carry him all by himself and then he goes to put him down and turn and face Sarah I thought oh my god that it felt so desperate and it was such an it was just such a nice tense piece of work it was really great um so yeah it was a nice it was a nice chapter and um the one thing I think it did for flash continuity is um well the two things I think it did first it got the stick out of Cisco's rear end and uh second <coughs> pardon me it um Laid the foundation again for the Justice League stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Especially thought, since like at the end, Carl's like, why don't you guys just team up more? <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought it was nice to see uh, Barry and Ollie at the end of the the, uh, the crossover. And, like, it, you could kind of feel like, A, they, they're, mm-hmm. like, they're a little bit closer. They're still not. They're not. They're co-workers. They're not buddies. Yeah. Um, but, and you know, it seemed like Barry has finally kind of earned some of the respect he's been looking for from Oliver. And it even yeah. kind of felt like, you know, with this being the fifth season of Arrow, mm-hmm. uh, and Arrow is probably not going to keep going forever, uh, that there is even like a little bit of like passing of the torch in terms yeah. of like, yeah, you know, you're, you're the one who's, if there is a Justice League, is going to start it, yeah. not me, even though yeah. I was on the scene first and I'm the experienced one, yeah. right? Right. Um, well, because you're the one that people look to. Yeah. Because um, over, and this is not, and, and the Arrowcast guys, I realize that right now um, Dan Morin is stranded on an island, and when he gets back, he'll have five years to explain it. But um, <laughs> but the thing is, is over on Arrow right now, um, Ollie is trying to assemble a team of, of people to work under him, and the success is mixed. <laughs> I'm not spoiling anything if I say the success has been mixed so far. So the fact that Barry has been able to put together a functioning team and he's able to collaborate with people. I think that's going to be the foundation of it. It turns out that uh, being a spoiled uh, uh, playboy and then spending five <laughs> years in isolation does not equip you with the management strategies necessary to uh, attract, train, and, ret- and retain talent. You think uh, the Bratva your- or the ninjas or something would have taught him otherwise? <laughs> you know, I think it's the Bratva. Like they're Christ too much into... Yeah. You don't ask questions when you're in the Bratva, right? It's they're yeah. they're a little too into loyalty. Um, but I at all swear, costs. like Ollie kept getting press ganged into all these secret societies and these these oh, you know, if you leave, you'll get killed type situations. And in every single one of them, he gets pulled into like the bonds of trust and whatnot and so forth. And then in the present, when like literally nobody is threatening his life if he joins or leaves their little girl gang, like he can't connect. <laughs> it's hilarious. Um, <laughs> 
you think that those different organizations would have like policies about like you can't be a member of another secret organization? <laughs> yeah, like a, a non-competing clause. Yeah, like the League of yeah. Assassins doesn't say like, hey, are you already in the mafia? Because, you know, we've gotten burned by that in the past. We're sorry we can't take anybody who's in the Russian mob because it turns out. I think the answer is that none of these organizations have the robust uh, human resources department no. that you, you really need to excel. <laughs> their, background, the their background check process is terrible. <laughs> oh, man. You, you ever met a ninja who worked in HR? They are not happy. So. <laughs> and they just appear out of nowhere. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. I'm just imagining the training sessions. <laughs> Some ninja on tech support. Wait, oh god, it's a ninja. He's calling about Excel again. <laughs> ninja sensitivity training. It doesn't go well. So. <laughs> oh, and the trust fall. Oh, oh the hippie, hippie for ninjas. They're like, why would I respect anyone's privacy? You don't know who I am. Oh god. Um, <laughs> we literally the, deal in secrets, people. What is the ninja um, equivalent of FERPA? Um, <laughs> I think they cut out your tongue. I'm not sure. Yeah. So, it's quite severe. So. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I feel like we should apologize to people who are like, you know, I tuned in for a podcast on The Flash. So you have you've covered Legends of Tomorrow fairly comprehensively. You've poked holes in Oliver's resume for the last five years. Look, all I'm here to do is insert bureaucracy into organizations that don't need it and then critique what that would look like. That's, yeah. I, I've got a lane. I'm staying in it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it just yeah, and I have to say I've always enjoyed Flash's Christmas. The Flash's Christmas episodes, like they always they are smart yes. enough to know that you go out on on a, on a high note with the holiday episodes, where there's always the the the, the every the, the sense that family are the people that you choose to let into your inner circle, and we're all lucky if they if if it's reciprocal, and um. What I also always love about their holiday episodes is they have that bitter twist in them too. Because <laughs> <laughs> we had that with well, with you know um, with uh, Yobard Thon in the first season, and then if I remember correctly, last year's Christmas episode was similarly uh, eat with the knife, tr- yeah, with the trickster, right? That yeah. was the trickster's first appearance. Yes, it was. Yeah. yeah. And uh, this year there was a little bit of the bittersweet thing too. Um, <laughs> that said, drunken HR was probably one of my favorite things about the back third. When he's just kind oh, of, he was utterly delightful. Yeah, it was great. Although every time he said, hey, B.A., and I kept having A-team flashbacks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I like Flash Dad um, mm-hmm. that, you know, like Jay Garrick. Is, I, I appreciate this, you know, I mean, when you're a superhero, you don't have a lot of places you have to be. And so you can just hang out in like another world for like a couple days. It's just, you know. Um, well, we don't know. We don't know much about Jay Garrick. Like, this no. is this is a guy who probably can't talk to a whole lot of people about. So let me tell you about the year I spent locked in an iron mask inside a plexiglass cage, hoping that somebody knew Morse code, and like amazingly, no one did. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so so there was he he's had a pretty traumatic experience, and I don't know if anyone has ever bothered to ask him how he processes it. <laughs> yeah. You know, you think about it, there's a lot of trauma there, so maybe just being around a family isk situation or a squad, maybe he'll go back to Earth three. And assemble his people, or, or or try or think about assembling his people, or something like that. So, what I'd like to yep. see the show do in the future is I want to see them get an animated Flash, and I want it I want it voiced by Michael Rosenbaum, so that we can we can have all the canonical TV hmm. flashes on on what in one place at one time. 
where like was, Earth, I was just thinking, where like Earth fifty four, everybody looks like a Bruce Tim character, and yeah, it's animated. Earth, Earth seventeen is animated. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, Mike Rosenbaum can can voice the character, and they're shocked that his name is Wally West, but he's Caucasian mm-hmm. with red hair, and we can be like, what? <laughs> it would be delightful. You know, I like so I like Earth that they established. Show. Yeah. <laughs> I like that they've kind of established that, you know, Jay Garrick is, even though he spent a lot of time locked up in an iron mask is like really knowledgeable about like the speed force. Mm-hmm. That's kind of neat. He gets to be his superhero dad. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, and he, he, he knows the name Savitar. Mm-hmm. I did, didn't think that the conclusion where it's like, we have this box and the thing to do is to run really fast mm-hmm. and throw it into the time stream uh, in, or into the speed force. I was just like, that seems like a really bad idea, guys. Um, yeah. Like, like, one that of these seems days, like, one of these days, these guys are going to run into a problem they can't solve with run really fast and throw something at it. Like, well, I mean, <laughs> and the answer may be that they did not actually solve any problem by doing that. In fact, they may have created a problem because it sure seems like, I mean, especially it's like all we know about Savitar is in the future something mm-hmm. Barry does something that makes Savitar very angry, yeah. and it's like you know what you should probably not do is throw that box into something yeah. that might deliver it to the future. That seems like right. a really bad idea. Yeah, like, yeah. Like when when they go, I have an idea, and and my first thought was if it were me, I would take it, I would put it in a large box, I would then pour concrete in the box, I would then like cover it with steel and chain it up and pour more concrete over it. Um, throwing it into time. Not a good idea. <laughs> so you throw it into the sea and that's how they introduce Aquaman to the Berlantiverse. And there goes your, fr- yeah, and there you, goes your Friday excuse night. Excuse me. Excuse me. I don't want this. You have to take this back. This is, this is your concrete box. It does not belong in the sea. Exactly. Do I come here and throw my fish trash on your land? <laughs> I mean, I do. We call it kelp. Yeah. Um, but, it's, but I've been doing it for a long time. You know, so. you people use it. Some of you even dry it and turn it to snack chips. But we're <laughs> trying to make you healthy. It's not sea garbage. Yeah. No. It, it, oh my gosh. And there's whole. So I read something completely, and now I desperately want the Berlanti Aquaman show. Thanks to this article <laughs> I registered yesterday on shipworms of all things, where it turns out that the prevalence of of plastic flotsam and jetsam in the ocean now are responsible for spreading all of these invasive species because they just like glom onto the stuff and they can now float fa- much farther away than they used to be able to when they were say attached to wood because wood you know disintegrates in the middle of the ocean and the species is, is you know then eaten or falls to the the abyssal depths and is never seen again anyway. Um, and now in my head, I'm like, okay, here's the pilot where it turns out that Arthur Curry is somehow some kind of sea ecologist. And, uh, it's glorious. Um, but to get back to the Christmas episode, we, um, at the very end, so Barry's moving in with Iris. We've got that going on for us. So hooray, except now he's all eaten up inside with anxiety for the future. So not hooray. Also, how did he get like a lease on a place when he didn't know he didn't have a job? <laughs> well, so there's a lot of questions I have about that, which is I was like the whole time he's like, I signed this lease on this place and I put your name in the lease too. And I thought if some That's man not I, how that works. I thought if some yeah. man I was seeing was like, I put your name on a lease, my first thought was Mother Mother I am already responsible for one rent. I am not responsible for two. Like, now Iris has to get out of her lease. She has to move. She has to change her address. She has to, like, change all of her Amazon Prime addresses. And she has to... <laughs> oh, it's just... It's this... Moving is a colossal hassle. And Barry just, like, up and does it without asking her. And I was like, how is this romantic? It's This is terrible. Do, 
<laughs> yeah. To be fair. Yeah. If you're, you know, if your boyfriend is a superhero uh, and you need help moving, like the Flash is going to help you move really fast. So that that, yeah. that, that, that helps true. a little bit. I'm, I'm just um, thinking, like, she might have. What if she like she gets a paper? Now she has to go change yeah. the address that the paper is delivered to. Barry <laughs> well, can do all that really fast. Mm-hmm. Yesterday or today. That was you know, talking about, you know, romantic comedies and movies and you mm-hmm. know, all these things where the, the man makes this big, giant romantic gesture. And why is it that the woman always falls for the big romantic gesture? And it's because a man is writing both sides of the argument. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, yeah. that's a very good point. Because, you know, most of the big romantic gestures I tried were just sort of like, oh, oh, that's nice. Thanks. I'm like, oh. That's not how it works in the movies. No. And and this and as soon as I saw this, it's like, oh, it's a big romantic gesture. No, big romantic uh, gestures are the absolute worst. And they're the absolute worst because A, they're usually unasked for. B, they usually have literally nothing to do with what you'd want. C, they're tremendously right. disruptive to your life. And D, they the scope and the scale and the intent obligates you to respond on an emotional level at an emotional volume that you may not want to. And so it's like compulsory. Oh, the, that's very good. The compulsory performance that you are required to reciprocate with is is hateful, you know? There's no agency. A big romantic gesture is basically somebody saying, I'm going to try to manipulate you in playing your role in my personal romantic drama because I don't respect your autonomy or your feelings enough to take into mind anything you might possibly want. Especially like an apartment. I mean, yeah. people live in places where they live for very specific reasons. Yes. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, I feel like that's hard. Like? To, that's, that's like kind of the worst thing to spring on someone, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah. it's an order of magnitude up from like, I got you a car yeah. because maybe, maybe I somehow know what kind of car you like to like, no, we now live in this place. I hope it's convenient to your job. I didn't think about that because I was busy figuring out how, how grandiose I could be. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just it was everything about that was how are you going to afford this berry and and is it close to Iris's commute? Does she like oh. the amenities? What if she doesn't like open plan living? What? I mean, right. Also, to Barry own any furniture, open plan may not be the the right move. Yeah. They're <laughs> so. just gonna like roller skate in circles around the apartment until the downstairs neighbor knocks on the ceiling with a broom handle again. Stop it! <laughs> oh my god, did those roller skating cultists move in upstairs? Damn also, it. do you really think Joe is gonna be all that thrilled? Like at the beginning of because it's only been nine episodes and they've been macking on each other for what eight of them? But you know, Joe was like, "Look, it's he's, weird." You he's will- over that. He's he's. <sighs> He's on to Wally should not be a superhero slash maybe he has a girlfriend now. Yeah. That's that's six episodes ago's problem. No, I just, no one even cares. If, even if you're like, oh, it's okay that my it's okay that my son and my daughter are dating. Uh-huh. You know, like <laughs> the fact that my son and daughter are cohabiting now and there's only one bedroom. Like, you know, he's gonna have a moment he's, where he's like, I want to be happy for you guys, but I'm still a little weirded out by it. You know, he's a CW character. They turn on a dime. He's uh, fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i just thought it's, the, it's uh, earth two joe that would have been worried about it oh no the, the whole apartment thing i was like barry no no <laughs> like i have i have not been this this opposed to some 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 young man's idolization of real estate decisions since i watched rent on broadway <laughs> it was just, oh. <laughs> 
it did seem like a very Barry Allen thing to do. Yeah. And I just, I wanted Iris to be like, oh, honey, this is, I mean, this is the right idea, but like, no, just yeah. no. Yeah. We'll find a place together. Yeah. And I'm the one with the salary right now, so I'll be setting the budget. Yeah. Um, but yeah. we'll, we'll talk, we'll talk about this. Yeah. Please don't rent property in my name again. Yeah. Um, yeah Cause that's the other horrifying thing. He's like, I put your name on the lease and I'm like, without that's, her that's permission, not, without a That's signature? not how leases work. Yeah, no. Yes. That's not how <laughs> like, contracts work. How does this work in Central City? Can you imagine like the hateful pranks people do in Central City if this is the norm where like you have a, a series of escalating hostilities with somebody and, and they come in one day and they slap down a kid and they're like, I've just signed your name to a condo and they're, you're all crap. Well, ugh, I'm, I'm hosed now. I, I guess I live in a condo. I hope I can afford it. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is like the exponential version of ordering a pizza for someone else. Right? Uh, yeah. um, Barry, you were supposedly smart enough to invent Gideon and found the Justice League and make Savitar angry with something you do in the future why are you doing something so dumb with realistic now <laughs> well he is i mean he does seem to own a lot of properties now i yeah. mean as we establish that he owns yeah. what will be the halls of justice so maybe he's just completely lost frame of reference right yeah I mean, that's, he's like does know, not you, everybody own a, yeah yeah once you own 14 abandoned warehouses what's a condo that's right because he does own all of star labs yeah like that's a thing that he does in that's his. So so how is he handling property taxes for all that? And well, I was just going to say maybe he's selling some of it off for development and high rises, and so maybe maybe oh the my god, is can, free because that's nobody, part of his development. Nobody will nobody will be nobody will be everybody will be on the, the edge of their seat in season four when Barry Allen has to go before zoning commission <laughs> and justify his decision to turn a downtown warehouse into a live workspace. Oh, you my. know I was surprised in the crossover. <laughs> Uh, in the crossover, we had uh, Barry and Oliver went back to the spooky future room. Mm-hmm. And I was like, we have not seen that in a long time. I didn't even know you guys could still get in there. That's kind of, <laughs> um, but it's like, nope, they still have that. Um, and why did I was they introduce hoping, Oliver to Gideon, you know? Yeah, well, I was unclear if Gideon, like, because we haven't seen Gideon since, yeah. um, in like a, a long time, yeah. right? Cause the, and the, I think you have to fan speculate that like, without reverse flash, Gideon is not there. Yeah. Um, because I was like, oh, they're in the room. Is is Gideon going to talk? Because yeah. that would be super helpful. If she's like Oliver Queen. And, and Because honestly, if I were talking to a computer from the future, I'd be like, tell me everything. <laughs> you know? Right. But, uh, yeah, you know, and, and the thing is, here's something I wanted to touch on a little bit is um, – I've had a great time talking about this show and there are still things that I enjoy about it immensely, but I'm getting to the point where I kind of brace myself before watching episodes now, which is a sign that the the show is, is I wouldn't say slipping out of favor. The show is um, not an unconditional favorite anymore. Yeah. Uh, And it's a little weird and sad to get to that point with it. Yeah. It's, it's hard. I feel like they're, I mean, we've talked about it before, but they're Mm -hmm. probably spread too thin with all the shows. Um, Supergirl is like the one that I look forward to every week Mm -hmm. and it's kind of the the least connected to the, to the the CW verse. Right. And it's, and I, I feel like, I mean, I'm still watching legends of tomorrow, which if I was going to stop watching something, that would be it. But it's like, (laughs) I want, I mean, and you know, then they did this crossover. It's like, I like superhero stuff and I want to be kind of caught up on everything and see all the interconnections, but it does feel like a lot of homework every week. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, Supergirl for me is, has been the, the one just partly because it's just well lit. Right? <laughs> it's, it's daytime. You get to see things. It's a much different so, palette. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so you get more colors and you, and you do get nighttime too. So it's just, you know, I, I often will forget, which episode is which in in Flash and all these 
because they all look alike. They're all dark. Uh, and, and The Flash, you know, I mean, I never got into Arrow. I kind of watched it off and on a little bit. Oh, sorry. But uh, Flash was the one that, that hooked me in because it was brighter and it had a little optimism and it had the hero. I mean, that's been a big thing I've said on other shows is that, you know, I like the hero who is good simply because it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, and so that was great. But now Supergirl is that on steroids. It's like exponentially brighter and happier and sunnier and can still do dark things and the flash has been mired in moping yeah i the last I, two years yeah i, I don't a year know and a half. yeah i don't know what's going on with that but it seems like i don't know if they can't agree on how to get barry from where he is now to where he needs to be or if there's some sort of you know it so I read a, a criticism of J.J. Abrams the other day that I actually think is really valid and really interesting, which is that J.J. Abrams is, is is fascinated by beginnings. Like, he loves beginnings, and he loves world building and building it out, and he is really not that great with following the story all the way through. Like, yep. which is why that makes him great for reboots, that makes him great for launching. It means that you can't trust him to wrap up a story, though. And mm-hmm. what I'm wondering is if Berlanti is great with... Um, coming of age but not being of age if that makes sense yeah and it totally makes sense it's hard also with i mean the source material is comics right comics never end they go on forever yeah Um, and the only and the the only models you have for when they do end or if it's like a limited run series or if it's an alternate world or some or or something like that um right like i think one of the saddest things is in kingdom come for example one of the saddest things in kingdom come in the follow-up is how um the flash in that story, which I'm pretty sure is, is Barry Allen. Um, is it? Mm-hmm. I think so. Anyway, I the think fla- so. I forget. Yeah. Cause the flash in that story, it shows that he literally never stops and he never visits his kids and everybody has a really distant, really cold relationship with him and he knows it and he feels it and he can't fix it. Um, and, um, I, I liked that take because it was just this character that's just kind of caught in this, this terrible, this terrible cycle that never ends. And it's very different from the regular comics where, you know, that the, the world is very richly detailed. There's a lot of interpersonal stuff going on. But, you know, here I was thinking, well, we have a lot of Barry coming of age. Um, and on Arrow, they had a whole lot of Oliver turning into somebody. And, you know, Arrow had a really weak season four. Um, Neil McDonough, Neil Don McDonough aside, because he is phenomenal. But um, yeah, no, he was great. But. but I think they really do struggle with the gap between coming of age and living with who you became, living with the decisions that you've made when you decided who you were going to be. You know, and I right. think that I think I feel like the Flash is there right now, where they have no idea. They have this. Okay, here's where Barry ends up. Here's where he is now. And then, like, there's this giant cloud in the middle, and someone's written, here there'll be dragons, and there's, like, a lightning bolt sticking out of the top, and no one has any idea how to get through that. So. <laughs> well, and, I, I, you know, I keep thinking back mm-hmm. to last season when Barry showed up on Supergirl, and that was the most fun I've had with Barry in the last year and a mm-hmm. half, too. That was the show I wanted to see. That's the Flash I want to see. And it came in the middle of the whole Zoom thing, and mostly while he was there, it kind of ignored everything. You know, he wasn't in the same mopey place that he was when he left his own show and when he came back to his own show. And it was tied in. So it's not like he was just randomly inserted into another show. Um, And it's like, that's 
that was the first season flash and you know he has such a winning personality and, and as an actor you yeah know, grant gustin and when he is smiles just, he just lights the room yeah grant gustin and, is just nonstop charisma and i mean we could find out in real life that he's got like a meat locker that he keeps children or something <laughs> and we'd all be like no because he just looks like he's somebody who you know like you expect rainbows to spontaneously break out and Right. You know, I, people, you know I, he helps. He just looks like the kind of guy where, you know, as he walks by, of course, the perfect sound pops in the music overhead. So. And that's 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 the, the big problem I had with Enterprise. It's like, how do you hire Scott Bakula and then make him serious and dour and not let mm-hmm. him smile? That's yeah. like his natural talent. Use it. And it's the same thing here. Mm-hmm. Bakula. <laughs> so Bakula. Well, the last name Bakula, it makes it sound like he should be some sort of vampire hybrid. Mm-hmm. Oh no! It's the dreaded Count Bacula. He's, he's a vampire who travels backwards in time. Yeah, or he has a boomerang of some sort. Um, <laughs> it comes back to you. See, anyway, we we've we've clearly moved past the the scope of this podcast. <laughs> so why don't we? Re- and and also we have a rule that um we usually have a rule that we try not to talk longer than an episode. And although we covered three episodes, I think an hour long podcast is all we can reasonably ask of any listener. So oh yes. I'm going to wrap. I'm, I'm, I'm calling it. And I want to thank all of you who have stuck with us and have listened. It's a, it's always a pleasure to talk about this and it's a pleasure to know people are listening. And I want to thank uh, David Laura for coming out tonight. Hello. Yes. Thank you. And I, I, wanna, I, love, I had a ball. Good. I'm glad. And um, our best to Mo's as per usual. Think of us wherever you are. And um, I want to thank Tony Sindelar. Yeah. Goodbye, nerds. All right. Uh, we'll probably see you in like, I mean, I think it's like six weeks before stuff comes back, but yep. we'll be here. Mm-hmm. So it's just up to you, nerds, where you're going to be. Yep. So. All right, nerds, come back to us. All right. And this was Lisa Schmeiser with The Flashcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in 2017.